welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Peace. God will give you peace. He says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. <laughs> the old adage says, the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. Welcome this morning to our Sunday morning gathering here at Epiphany Fellowship. How many of you are glad we are live today? Live, 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 live. Amen. I'm glad to be live with you. My family's here and so many others are here. And um, happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. Um, You know, um, know, I'm looking at Resurrection Sunday. I look, um, I was sitting over here and I looked to my right and I saw Tamika and Roshan. And um, God has done a resurrecting work in their life. They are with child. And we've been praying for them for a long time. And so to see them here and um, excited in the Lord and experiencing, I ain't announced it, it was already on Facebook, so I ain't putting this stuff out early. And some of you are like, why yo, why you, they, it, they said it first and then I said it afterwards. So uh, we're excited for them. And I pray that we're all in some way, shape or form constantly experiencing um, resurrections in your life. Because if you die daily, you're going to experience a resurrection daily. Somebody ought to hear me. Well, let's dig in to our resurrection sermon this morning. I would um, want to turn your attention to 2 Corinthians, um, the sixth chapter, verses three, verses three through about the 10th verse. I want to give special attention to this verse, this group of verses, because we want to Dig into the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verses three through about the tenth verse, tenth or eleventh verse, reads like this. We are not giving anyone an occasion for offense, so that the ministry will not be blamed. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything by great endurance. By afflictions, by hardships, by afflictions, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, sincere love, the word of truth, by the power of God through weapons of righteousness for our right and left hand. Through glory, dishonor, slander, good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true, unknown, yet recognized, as dying, yet seeing. We live as being disciplined, yet not killed, as grieving, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet enriching many, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We are spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our hearts have been opened wide. We 
are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I would like to talk today on this Resurrection Sunday on a resurrection sermon called The Impact of the Resurrection on Overcoming the Stronghold of Church Hurt. I'd like to talk today about the impact of the resurrection on overcoming the stronghold of church hurt. Let's go before God in heaven. Lord God, we thank you. We honor you and we bless you for all of your matchless wisdom, your matchless grace, and your master's truth. Thank you for the resurrection that we get to celebrate, and we will celebrate it forever. And so, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, 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 amen. The resurrection's impact on the stronghold of overcoming the stronghold of church hurt. Easter Sunday or Paschal Sunday, uh, if you will, is Resurrection Sunday, Paschal Sunday rather. Uh, if you um, uh, usually know that a ton of people come on Resurrection Sunday and many times uh, they tend to get, uh, you know, it's that time for the church to kind of uh, act fast in trying to get people's attention to keep them in church. And um, and I think it's nothing wrong with maximizing a Sunday like Resurrection Sunday, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for some reason, it does tend to be a higher density of people that tend to engage on the Sunday morning experience on uh, Pasco or uh, Resurrection Sunday. For that reason, I don't know why. I don't know. You know, I don't know. If you, you know, some of y'all, uh, you may not have been in the old church, but you know, you come with your best on that day. You know, it's more white in the room that you'll ever see. Beautiful hats, jewelry, um, you know, dudes got on zoot suits, you know. Um, dudes that never wear suits and patent leather shoes and gaiters and Crocs and uh, 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 ostrich skin and all kinds of stuff makes its way into the gathering. And, and, and the choir is a lot more hefty that Sunday. Uh, nowadays, praise and worship, we've upgraded, you know. Um, and, and all of those different things begin to be hefty and hefty. And, and that Sunday kind of comes and it kind of goes. And, and, and my question in my mind is, why is that Sunday hefty? But who are those people that swell on those Sundays, uh, on those Easter Sundays? And again, we're not, this is not a beat up session. This is a resurrection session. And, 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 and one of the things that I've learned is that it's, it's people that grew, maybe grew up in the church and like the tradition of the church experience and say, hey, I, I, I want to I experience, I want my family to at least experience the culture, particularly in black church, experience the culture of going to a church. Um, it's those who, who, who don't ever go and somebody may have, the church may have done a mass mailer and, and they say, man, you know what, I'm going to go check it out. Then it's people who are faithful, who have been coming and, 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 they, and they go to church, those type of folks. But then there may be another group of people within either the mass of those people or the mass of others. And that's, that's those who can only take church in a little bit of a dose. It's those who have been hurt by the church, who have been hurt as a believer and help as a non-believer. Usually Easter Sunday is the Sunday where everything's general enough 
for you to enjoy it without dealing with the broken realities that we deal with from the Monday after Easter Sunday to the Saturday before it. And so, and so as we've dealt with that today and as we think about that today, and we even, I was trying to just go on my merry way and do a happy, happy going, which it is happy. It's hopeful. But, but, but I said, God, I don't want to do this on Easter Sunday. And this seemed to be just a hefty heaviness on me uh, to minister this on Easter Sunday about sh- church hurt. An aspect of it is a stronghold. Um, it, it's a stronghold that has hurt many. And we'll talk about some of the dynamics of it, but ultimately this sermon is about how you get over it. I, I hear a lot of people talk about church hurt, but I never hear about the, the restoration and reconciliation and the beauty of God reordering. So have you ever experienced God, something that you didn't believe God could recover in your life, something in your life, a relationship, a friendship, a community, a, 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 a relationship with that you didn't believe God could restore and reclaim and even invigorate your enjoyment in it again? I believe God can do that. I believe that God, and, and, and again, it's not about you delighting in church. Right. It's about you and delighting in him and seeing the church as a conduit of delight that's imperfect, but can be healthy. And so um, I'd like to define strong. You know, we've been going through the series. A stronghold is a mindset, thought process or value system that hinders your growth. A mindset, a value system, a thought process that hinders your growth. Anything that handcuffs God's continued working of holiness in your life. Anything that that shackles the continual reflection of his Shekinah in your life. Anything that causes a a, a muting of his magnificence and majesty in your sphere. But then what is a church hurt stronghold? It's a long one. (laughs) Church hurt, the stronghold of church hurt is a stronghold or take a home when people say that the church will have a this people will have a mindset that there is no healthy church that they could that they could exist in or work through the challenges in for redemptive purposes. Also, the mindset towards the church is usually more on self than it is on being a blessing to others. Now, let me say this church hurt in and up being hurt by the church in and of itself isn't a stronghold. Hear me. Church hurt isn't the stronghold. The stronghold is the mindset, listen, that can happen or form about God or the church as a result of church hurt. That's the difference in this. And we got all kinds of barriers that can come up. It can be intellectual barriers, informational values and bad stuff that you may have gotten. Some of y'all got some bad information out there. Just a bad batch. You ever got a bad batch of something somebody told you was good? It's like when every time I come to the restaurant, it's good. They must got a new chef today, you know. You know, yeah, I don't know if you ever heard that before, right? Uh, 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 bad thinking or bad experiences, bad experiences. And so these things create barriers in the church. This creates barriers to your ability to experience in this. Listen to what one pastor said online. This is dope. He said, as a pastor of a church, I've heard stories from people who have found church confusing, contrarian, and, or even damaging. Not every church hurts people, but most churches have hurt someone at some point. Some people are hurt through mistakes, their own mistakes, 
others because of sins committed against them and still others because of failed leadership. This reality can leave them reluctant to re-engage. This is, a, this is not the stronghold yet. This is the reality of what it can create. I hope y'all are tracking with me today. Afraid of being hurt again, wanting to protect themselves, which is natural family, and questioning the place of the church in their lives. Good, the good news for the hurting is that God has spoken to your pain in the Bible. <clears throat> and as we look at this, I mean, all over the place, Galatians, like, 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 let me just tell you how much the New Testament is about church hurt. Do you know that almost all the, the New Testament is about church hurt? Did you know that? Like, we don't really know that. I mean, Galatians about church hurt. Colossians about, because uh, 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 that was about legalism in, in Galatians. Colossians about heresy. Second Timothy is about all kinds of church hurt and tensions in the church. Philippians um, is a church uh, to, to talk about the conflict and, and selfish ambition. First and second Corinthians is church hurt all over the place. But here in this passage, what's interesting, here in this passage, the church hurt is on Paul. And Paul has experienced church hurt. And the whole book of 2 Corinthians is inventing to the church about how it hurt him. Y'all not hearing me today. But you, you smell the corridors of hope as he tells you in this passage how to deal with church hurt. And as a matter of fact, he tells you the resurrection is the means to overcome it. This is, this is, this is crazy. The, 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 the book has a massive trajectory in it that, that will help us to understand this. When you, you know, people say, I want to get back to the early church. Well, you just don't understand. Most of the New Testament was written because something was wrong with every church. Like, like most people say, you know, I want to get back to the early church. Like when nobody sinned and everybody just sang kumbaya, they just shared the gospel and nobody, you know, we just met in homes. And the reason why they met in homes, because there was persecution. You don't want that. You don't, you know, you won't keep it up all the way a buck. You know, you want to not be able to publicly read this. You know, you want to be able to, you know, we, we in the rights culture, they had no rights back then. You know, it was a mess back then. People was acting a fool. So, so most of the New Testament Matter of fact, Revelation, the last book of the Bible, starts off because of seven messed up churches. So if you're trying to go back and find the perfect church, you in trouble because we there. And we need a perfect savior. That's why he's called the savior. However, that's not a license to be a nitwit. Oh, ain't nobody going to talk back. Saying I ain't perfect is not your get out of jail free card for unholiness. Oh, I'm by myself. And so what, what, what Paul does, though, is he helps the people work through their hurt mutually. And what I like about Paul is he went to the church to deal with his hurt. He didn't just leave them and deal with his hurt. In other words, he, he, was, he was not just man enough because uh, there were women in, women in his crew that dealt with their church hurt of the church too. So remember, he had men and women in his missionary group that went around and started churches. And do you know how, like some of y'all just dealt with one church. Paul planted a multiplicity of churches and had to deal with all of them and all of their mess. You, you should have you just said, God bless him, Lord, give him some more rewards. So what's legitimate hurt? Leadership failures. Relationship, relational failures, not able to get help when needed, not feeling appreciated. Those are legitimate hurts. Now let's talk about some illegitimate ones real quick. 
sinning and then hurt because you were challenged. Oh, this ain't the amen Sunday. All right. Disagreeing with biblical decisions. Disagreeing with unbiblical things, but dealing with it unbiblically. See, you can be right biblically, but wrong in your actions in how you deal with the biblical thing unbiblically. Ugh. Wanting the church to have a vision for your personal preferences. That's a big one. I can't go through all the introduction. I just got to get into the text. First of two points. I'm, 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 I'm just going to dig in this. First point, we must all take responsibility for the church's witness in the world. We must all take ownership and responsibility for the church's witness in the world. Look at what the text says. It says, we are not giving anyone an occasion for offense. He says, so that the ministry will not be blamed. He said, instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything. And then he begins to go through it. One translation says, we live in such a way that no one will find fault with our ministry, with our ministry. In other words, I want to live in such a way where I don't bring any shame to the name of Jesus Christ in the way I'm acting. One of the things that's inferential in this reality is that Paul and his team and his folk took ownership of their role in being a means to help the church to look good to people in the world. In other words, many times... We talk about church as Christians separate from us. It's them and us. And there is a <coughs> there is a disjointed expectation <coughs> that the church be something and we be nothing. But the way things work <coughs> in the world and the way things work as it as it counts about responsibility, the scriptures <coughs> cause every believer to have biblical responsibility to their role in making and showing off the glory of Christ in how the church is perceived. <clears throat> that means it's your responsibility that when you're around your friends, you watch how much you invest in carnality. <clears throat> because people will use your lack of commitment to Jesus as a mechanism to hate Jesus. <clears throat> and so you can have fun, don't just be a fool. Have fun. Enjoy, but let me tell you something. Your witness is always turned on. <clears throat> you, yo, your witness is always awake. And listen, I don't know why. That, I, I ain't never heard nobody say, man, I'm sick of Muslims cursing. I ain't trying to be funny. I've never heard anybody say, man, Buddhists be sleeping around like a mug. Like never. I, the Hindu people, man, they just be getting high, you know, going on like, they hypo I've never heard anybody call a Muslim a hypocrite, a Buddhist a hypocrite, a Hindu a hypocrite, an a, a, a atheist, well, a hypocrite. I've never heard, only people, the only people that call somebody a hypocrite is Christians. It's, it's something about, I, I don't know, I guess it's the God of heaven that has placed this seed of requirement in the souls of people to have a higher level expectation of us than everybody else. The reason why people are hurt by us is because we don't do two things. We don't fight to live out biblical expectations that God has for us so that we give a proper witness to the world. But number two, we don't deal with and we don't work through pain well. 
And so as Paul is here, Paul is very careful today, family. He's he's careful that he's careful, babe. He's being very careful about his witness. Pastor Kurt, he's being careful about his witness. Ruth, he's being careful about his Amber. He's being careful, Sarah, about his witness. He knows he won't perfectly work through it, but it's nothing worse than somebody that verbalizes perfection, but is practically a mess. So you have to learn how to straddle the line and say, I'm a mess in process. Say, say real loud, I'm a mess in process. Listen, listen, listen. The key is process. That's the key. That's the key. And so Paul begins to tell you his experiences. And before I move from these verses, he says, we live. I like the fact that he's not alone. Many of us live our Christian life alone and we live in our head so much that we have no common experiences with other believers. <clears throat> he, 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 he begins to go down and he lays out some beautiful principles for us where we see all of the different things that Paul began to deal with in his ministry. And he says, listen what he says. He says, as servants of Christ, we commend ourselves in every way. This is, this is, this, this tough. Well, do you know what commend means? <laughs> it means make yourself available for your life to be critiqued. He said, I, we commend everything. In other words, I open up my life so that if something's wrong, somebody godly with some sense can tell me something. The key is some sense. That's right, baby. The key is some sense, not just anybody. Because everybody got a voice online. You can't listen to everybody. Hallelujah. Every voice ain't a voice of God. You better, you better, you better. You, Lord, you should have ran on that one. Every voice ain't God's voice in your life, but you have to have trusted voices in your life. So he said, we commend ourselves in every way. Well, this is all going to point to the resurrection. It's beautiful. Um, he said, we commend ourselves in every way. In other words, Everything in our life is an open to verbal engagement. Next point. Next point, then I'm done. It's simple. We must have a supernatural view of hardship. You will never work through church hurt or anything good in your life and survive it with perspective unless you have a supernatural view of hardship. When Paul, Paul has, listen, in 2 Corinthians, <coughs> he literally has three times in the book where he just, he just has a verbal enema about his experiences. In chapter one, <coughs> you, this, this, this is rare vulnerability. Paul basically says in 2 Corinthians chapter one, verses eight through nine, he said, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. Our affliction that took place in Asia, we were completely overwhelmed <laughs> beyond our strength. I thought God wouldn't let you have on you more than you can bear. That's not what that verse means. He said, we were burdened beyond our strength. So we despaired of life itself. He was suicidal because of how much pain he was experiencing. Anybody ever been there? 
Paul just told you in the Bible he was suicidal. Not the second person. He's one of the second people in the Bible that, that we hear that were godly walking with God that struggle with depression. He struggled. Second Corinthians chapter seven tells you Paul struggled with depression. Elijah struggled with depression. And people who struggle with depression when hurt take it deeper than other people do normally. He struggled with it. And he said, we were having such a hard time. We despaired of life. We didn't want to live no more. He's talking about all of us. He's not just about me. He's talking about everybody that was around me. We were a group of hurt people. But he said, indeed, we felt we had the sentence of death. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but God who raises the dead. Oh, now hearing me today, this Bible is crazy. <laughs> the Bible is unbelievably nuts. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? He said, we went through all of that pain so that we can know that God actually raises people up. <laughs> you're going through and you're hurt. It's to see whether or not, I don't want to minimize it, but it's to see if you'll trust God to raise you up out of your pain. You've been hurting a long time. One of the reasons God sent Christ to be raised, I'll lay a bunch of them out, is to free your emotional, the emotional impact of pain on you. That means that you don't have to live in, if your pain is physiological and you don't sit with the, I'm not saying come off medicine. So don't hear me in here. You know, downing mental illness. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't send me an email about that. What I am saying is spiritual and emotional effects that are that, that God God heals that He will heal from, that you can work through, that you can get some counseling through, that you can get some shepherding through, that you can get some community through. There's healing for you. That's good news. <laughs> and Paul says a bunch of stuff in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. He says, now we have this treasure in jars of clay so that the extraordinary power may be from God and not us. We were afflicted in every way but crushed, but not crushed. We were perplexed, but not despairing. We were persecuted, but not forsaken. We were struck down, but not destroyed. Then he has another one. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus in order that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal body. What is he talking about? The resurrection. <laughs> the resurrection. I ain't even going to get into 2 Corinthians 11 when he just goes through everything. He just goes through it all. And so, you know, one of the things about dealing with difficult things is you have to constantly be trained and work through and spend time with God for you to have perspective in it. Look, look, at, look, at, look at what Paul says he goes through. <clears throat> he does this. He says, look at verse for he says, we commend ourselves in everything. In other words, we make ourselves, listen, like hear the, the language of this text. He said, we commend ourselves by these things. He says, this is what gives us credibility. Hear me. Hear me. This is what gives us credibility. The way we do it is the way we handle things when it's difficult. Listen, number one, by great endurance. He says, by going through stuff and having the ability 
to not let it shipwreck our capacity and commitment to bear up under difficulty. He says by affliction. He said when we go through, we're commended by what we go through because many times your productivity, your, produ your productivity level always dictates your resistance level. Listen, listen to me. Listen, if you're going through a lot, God might just be trying to do a lot through you. <laughs> it says, I remember one saying says, he who God uses greatly, he hurts deeply. Ah. By difficulties, <clears throat> he says by beatings, Lord have mercy. He said whenever he got beat for the name of Christ, he was being commended. Don't, you don't hear the, the madness of Paul's statements? This is madness. By imprisonment, when I got put in jail, and it actually wasn't my fault. Somebody get that on the way home. By riots, not the ones he started, but the ones that started because of what he did. By labors, by sleepless nights. See, you know you love people and want change to happen, and when your sleepless nights is not just about you. See, when you, see, see one, one of the things you're going to see inferentially in this text is that Paul's response to church hurt wasn't to be inward focused. It was not inward focused, it was outward focused. Listen to the text. He said sleepless nights, by times of hunger. By, he, said, he said, but also, we didn't let difficulty make us lose our mind. Uh-oh. In other words, we didn't lose our moral fabric because things got difficult. So we said by purity. He said, there were some times I could have cut some people clean out. And there were some opportunities for immorality in my life. But he said by purity. He said by knowledge, by patience, Lord have mercy. How many of us need patience? Need to use it. Because some of us, you know, we, we just not patient. We, we move quickly. We move quickly. See, hurt will make you make bad decisions that have long-term effects. By kindness, by the Holy Spirit, you got to have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God through weapons of righteousness for the right and the left hand. You, that's how you know you're in a fight. You need both. You need double weapons. He said through glory and dishonor, through slander. And good report, regarded as deceived, yet true. Can you do that? Can you and I do that? Why is, the, why is this list important? This is not a moralistic list. <clears throat> but what it is, is it's a way of you seeing, when I have things happen to me, is my response flight, fight and flight. Fear, flight, and fight. Or is it I press in because I believe God can change anything? See, what you have to begin to begin to shift, when I'm, what, what I think we need to be called to is having a shift. I remember my wife and I, we went through a very, very painful, painful church experience. Very, very painful. And, um, and God began to work with us through how to, this is before Epiphany was ever even started, we was in a, in a church situation. And I remember how painful that situation was, but God had us on a biblical plan. He said, deal with your offenses biblically. That's number one. If you've been offended, go to the people. 
Seek the Lord about forgiveness and reconciliation. That was the hard part. Because when, I, when you're hurt, you think you have the upper hand and you don't have to forgive because of how they've hurt you. And so you have a right to slander, be a fool, and act out and be divisive. And God, I, I, I sensed in my spirit, God said, if you do anything messy, I'm going to tear your butt up. Like a parent. That's what parents do. See, if you, you ain't ever been told I'm going to tear your butt up, you ain't really been disciplined before. You ain't been disciplined before. You need to have like some harsh words said to you. When you know you finna do something, you ain't got no kinds of business doing. But the Lord made us seek forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's to this day we got it. Living, uh, leaving, and then we, and then God said, you can only leave there when you sense an honorable release from me. God made us stay where we were hurt. See, sometimes hurt isn't an exit sign. <laughs> if hurt was an exit sign, soon as they hit Jesus with the canine whip, he'd be like, all right, unstrap me. Heaven come now, 72,000 angels. My, my servants are fighting now. That, Good Lord in the morning, that thing hurt. No, he stayed there. He didn't see his hurt as an exit sign. He saw it as a confirmation that he was where he was supposed to be. Now, does that mean stay under abusively? I see somebody going, don't take it there. Don't always take it to the, to the 20%. Take it to the one you know, you know where you are and you know and you And God is saying, I need you to learn how to deal with stuff. That's, we, we have to, listen, you will never grow if you run from every time you're hurt, because know what'll happen? When you're hurting, you don't deal with your hurt, somebody won't even be hurting you, but you'll feel hurt by something they didn't do that you felt like hurt you because it seemed to be a lightning rod from the fact that you didn't deal with the hurt in your past, so you couldn't properly see what you were getting dealing with in the present because you didn't get rid of the, the development and the healing of that wound from the past. So I remember uh, back in the day, I was playing basketball. That's why I don't play no more. I don't play no more. I, I was going up for a shot, you know, I was, I was you know, I asked, you know, and um, I, you know, I did, I did this thing through my leg, caught it here, went this way. <laughs> you, you saw it, you all even saw it, didn't you? And I came up like this. And the dude just should have let me go up. I'm going up in the air. I'm about 45 inches off the ground. <laughs> and this dude, I'm already in the air. And he jumps and hits me. Just, just an ugly, just Pistons versus the Bulls foul, you know. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Them some angry, ugly fouls. And when I came down, I came down on my ankle. Like from that, this high off the ground, you know, because I, I had some ups, you know what I'm saying? I was up there, you know. Then it came down, crack, crack, real quick. And I didn't go, to, I, didn't get, I didn't have insurance at the time. I ain't had no business plan. And I didn't have insurance at the time, so I didn't go, but I, you, know, I, you know, you go to the, the Rite Aid or the Walgreens or CVS, you go wrap your joint up and you try to <clears throat> doctor it yourself, you put some ice on it. But I, 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 I tore a ligament, didn't know it. Years later, I'm riding my bike. And I improperly ride my bike, and as I'm riding it, it just did a little hit, and it hadn't been that, my ankle still ain't the same. 
And, and, and the issue is, is if I would have dealt with that first injury well, the little hit that happened years later wouldn't have been as bad if I would have dealt with the thing at ground zero in a way that I should have dealt with it. <sighs> um, God is calling you today <clears throat> to deal with your stuff holistically. He's sick of it. He's sick of hearing it. Do you know God gets sick of hearing stuff sometimes? Particularly when he's given you the mechanism for release. <clears throat> Paul begins and he keeps going and he says, he says, as known yet recognized, as dying yet see, we live as being dis disciplined yet not killed. <clears throat> Listen, then he tells you what he does when he gets hurt. This is so convicting, y'all. He says, as grieving yet rejoicing. Matter of fact, he didn't just say rejoicing. He said always rejoicing. <laughs> as poor yet enriching many, as having nothing yet possessing everything, yet having spoken openly to you, continue, uh, Corinthians, our heart has been opened wide. These are people that hurt him. He told people that hurt him that his heart is opened wide to them. That's, that's, that's interesting. He said, my heart is open wide to you. Um, this is a powerful, powerful statement. And the reason why is because this powerful statement points us to the way we are to engage relationships and hurt and communal hurt in a way that honors and reflects the heart of God. Um, Bible says that Jesus on the cross was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. Why is that important? Because on the cross, Jesus on the cross was hurt because of us. Guess what? Guess what? Jesus experienced more church hurt than anybody. Are you hearing me? Jesus took on all of our pain on the cross. All of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our disappointments. And he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. And when he got up with all power in his hands, the first thing he went to was the people that betrayed him. He went to him and restored him. Wow. If that ain't the gospel, the first thing he does, he goes to Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Do you love me? Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection on the grave, and what he began to do is he began to restore the people around him that had hurt them, hurt him, and their hurt was connected to hurt in their life that they didn't properly deal with. Jesus came back, helped them deal with their hurt, and then they were unleashed to be some of the most powerful people in the church's history.
What is our hurt and lack of reconciliation with people and lack of commitment to the resurrection affecting that could happen on this planet? This Resurrection Sunday, I want us to have one application from it, one thing. Who hurt you? Where are they? This is all one application. <laughs> Where are you? And what are you going to do about trying to bridge the gap? That don't mean y'all got to go hang out. But it does mean that all hurt affects you in ways that you don't know if it doesn't get resolved. Because that's why it couldn't just be a cross. It had to be a resurrection. The cross Friday was about hurt. Sunday was about recovery. Friday was about pain. Sunday showed the purpose. Friday was about hardship. Sunday was about healing. God wants to heal you. And he loves you to life. My prayer today, I'm, this, I'm preaching to myself, family. The resurrection, even if you don't get all things resolved, the fact that you did things God's way will begin to start the healing process. And when somebody's name that you don't like or that church or that leader that you don't like, uh-oh, gets mentioned, you don't sting as much. You don't have to block them out on every social media in order to block the pain of what you experienced out anymore. You can see a picture and pray for them. You, you can see him, you can see him downtown or at King of Prussia and wave at least. See, healing, uh, healing to make you, uh, healing gets rid of pettiness. Y'all know we petty. All of us are petty. Because when you stung me, I want to let you know in some kind of way that you stung me. But sometimes the Bible says you need to heap coals. <laughs> the most empowering thing you can do is, is, is to walk in a way that the person that hurt you knows that you're not living with their hurt of you at the center of your life anymore. I'm done. He died. And it was quiet Friday. But he got up with all power in his hand on Sunday morning. Not just as a sign, but a reality to empower us in every area of life. Father, I thank you today for the power of overcoming hurt, particularly church hurt for the non-believer or non-Christian rather. I pray your strength on them today that whatever experiences, something they saw, whether it was hypocrisy in the home, that you would restore, that you would set free, and that you would deliver. For the believer, for the person that came in here today, and matter of fact, God, I feel like online worship, as great as it is, has given us an opportunity to avoid where we've been hurt. Because we can visit places virtually with no experience of people, <laughs> no interaction, no service, just turn or flip it on, whether it's our smart device or smart TV or. But God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would do deep work. That you would show us that the resurrection 
is your mechanism and your means to bring healing and restoration to all things. God, we thank you for Christ's coming. I thank you that Jesus Christ's death did something. It wasn't just a historical event. It changed the polarity of the universe. And in changing the polarity of the universe, we're made new. Let's get ready for communion. Communion is a sign of the new covenant. Every covenant in the Bible had its signs. The Abrahamic covenant had circumcision as its sign. The Noahic covenant had the rainbow as its sign. Uh, of course, the Palestinian covenant had the Sabbath as its sign. The new covenant sign is communion and baptism, but particularly communion because it's more perpetual. And it's a sign that you have embraced your covenant with God through Jesus Christ. That you have trusted him as savior and that your life is defined by him in position and in practice. On the night that he was betrayed, that would have been last week. <laughs> Probably on Thursday. He knew he was about to get arrested. He knew that they were going to have some faulty trials. He knew he was going to experience some police brutality. He knew he was going to be unjustly judged. He knew that he was going to die on the cross. But he also knew that he was getting up on the third day. And not only did he know he was getting up on the third day, but he left them this sign to continue to do this until he returns. And once he returns, he will drink and eat with us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, gave it to his disciples. This is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal, the Paschal lamb was eaten. Their, their micro-celebration of it. He took the cup. He blessed it and said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant that is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Receive the Lord's benediction. Now unto him who is able to present him before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy to him our God and Savior be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forever everybody agree with that said amen amen amen, amen. God bless you thank you for joining us take care have a good one
Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Passive Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you. We love you.